Good evening, Chicago, and welcome back to the fall season premiere of The Table on Air, your primary source for learning about what's new, what's happening, and what's what in Black LGBTQ culture. For those that don't know, hey, I'm your host, Darius Caffey, and I thank you for showing up to this space. You already know we're about to get real, real, a little deep, and maybe a little teary, but we're gonna have some fun. Joining me for this week's main event is a leader in the tech startup and venture capital world. But first, let's dive into the latest and greatest in this week's Black Report. Family, we made it y'all. We're here, we're back, and as promised, we're here to bring you a new season of Black queer folks being represented at the table. We're constantly looking for new ways to bring people into our community and share positive stories. So if you have some ideas, go to theclosetunlocked.com and let us know. But we all know that with new seasons comes change. And I'm here to tell you, just embrace it. Embrace the change, fall in love with it, and figure out what it really means for you. For me, in this season of change, it was leaving a job that I think I was doing fairly well in. I know. A little scary, but I did it to focus more on building my own company to pour into myself the same way that I was pouring into others. I was doing all these career talks and speaking engagements, encouraging other people to live out their dreams and not be afraid of failing or flying, whatever floats your boat. But I wasn't listening to it myself. And a lot of times, most of us don't. We do all these great things to help people and say all the things for other people to feel inspired but how much of that do we truly give ourselves? So, as I said last season, it's time to start taking my own advice. I deserve to give me what I give to others and so do you. So if this season of change for you means giving more to yourself than you ever have before, do it. I support you. It's time for us to not only live in this new season, but also create more space in it for the things and people that matter the most to us. It's time to chase joy feel passion, and heal from what broke us last season. It ain't no room for that no more. Keep growing, keep blooming, and never forget that someone out there believes in you. They deserve to see you win. So to my family, my friends, my partner, colleagues, mentors, and community, thank you for believing in me. Because when I win, you win. And we're gonna keep doing this thing together, just like community's supposed to. That's the wrap on this week's Black Report with the QUE. And until next week, keep finding ways to celebrate yourself. Joining me for this week's main event segment is the co-founder of ShyTech Collective, director of corporate partnerships with the Blacks and Technology Organization, and ecosystem builder, Alex Foreman. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm glad to finally have you here. I know we were, you know, connecting last season, trying to get you on the show. So mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we were able to, you know, find some time and make space for you today to be able to share your story, you know, with the city of Chicago, with our community, and really just amplify all the work that you've been doing to hopefully bring more fruition to it, you know, shed some more light onto it and watch you continue to grow in all that you do. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Well, I'm really excited to learn more about, you know, like I said, all the work that you've been able to do, not just around the city of Chicago, but just around the nation. You know, you've been involved in a lot of different areas. So really excited to share more of that again with the world. 
and really bring more light to you know all the talent and greatness that you continue to bring and grow into so mm. i'm gonna jump right into the questions okay so we can get right into <laughs> it because i know the people are ready it's been a little while since they've seen us so let's let them know what our community like about. your cards <laughs> thanks <laughs> designed them myself you know multi-talented or try to be <laughs> so just to kind of get us started what has your background historically looked like becoming a founder and builder? Yeah, I mean, I would say that when I was younger, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Skinner for elementary school. Chancellor was, or Chancellor Rapper was in the same class yeah. as me, whatever. So, you know. I uh, give a little credit to Chicago. Right, <laughs> you know. Um, so we had a pretty talented class, but mm -hmm. one of my things was I was always hustling yeah. The Yu-Gi-Oh cards, the Pokemon mm -hmm. cards. I think um, my brother had a book report. We read a you know story together, and the stories about these three girls, you know, having a bakery or you know starting to sell cookies and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Oh, we should do that." So I started selling cookies and brownies. I got in trouble a lot, but I kept oh, doing wow. it. So obviously, what grade were you in? I was in like maybe fourth, okay. fifth grade, right? Selling treats. You were selling treats, gotcha. and they were like, "Well, you can't," you know sell homemade goods mm -hmm. at that time mm -hmm. you know this is the early 2000s yeah. i didn't care that much because i kept doing it so they just really followed me my entire life when i got to college i had already gone through a program for pre-med but i always said well i want to own the hospital mm. or i own i want to own the pharmaceutical company i never wanted to work for anyone for too long yeah you knew that vision early on yeah okay. yeah and so then, you know, I got to school and I don't know, I kind of lost myself, didn't feel myself. I tried to, you know, dibble and dabble in different, um, you know, work study programs yeah. and things like that. Same. Then I started doing parties and I started to feel like, okay, I can do this entrepreneurship thing again, mm -hmm. but I just don't, I can't find my rhythm. And it's because I have school. Yeah. So I, I left. The distraction. Um, yeah, it was, you know, school is, if you're able to leverage it and you're able to do what you want within that structure, yep. it's great. But if the structure is so rigid that you can't really find it, then it's not, to me, it's not worth the investment. What school right? were you at? I went to Southern Methodist University. Okay. Which is funny because you tell black folks about it, right? And they're like, oh, okay. Some of them will know, or they'll uh, name this famous football player, I forget his name, but you know, that's what they know from the 80s, right? Yeah. But you tell white folks to Asian folks, SMU? <laughs> really? <laughs> that's the, their school. The school is so expensive. It's so, it, it's so yeah. white. What state is it in? Texas. Oh, okay. Dallas, Texas. That's all you need to say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, after being in school for so long and just feeling like I got to break out of this, mm -hmm. that's what really just made me snap into okay i'm just gonna do it full throttle yeah yeah so when you, after you left school was that your moment that you felt like okay i finally have maybe not necessarily what you need but the time to you know really focus on what you truly wanted to do and figure out how to execute that <laughs> i think the thing with that is you think that until you get the time mm -hmm. and you realize just how much time of the day you have yeah and then you start you know, life hits you because you don't have the, the school to support you or leverage. So if you don't eat, it's because of you. If you don't get to work, it's because of you. So 
I thought I had a lot of time, mm-hmm. but then it ended up being like, oh, I'm in the same position. Because I, I still got to go to work. I have to pay my own rent. Mm-hmm. I have to pay my own bills. Life still moves. Even life still moves. Yep. I think if anything, I didn't have the pressure of, I prepaid for this education mm-hmm. and I'm not going to class versus, oh, my rent is due on the first. I can choose to go to work today or not, yeah. right? So I just think that that was the difference between being in and out, yeah. So what was the moment for you, you know, maybe not directly after you left school, but what was the moment, or maybe it was, you know, something that happened or even a person that struck that in you to be like, you know what, I'm going to dive fully into this entrepreneurship journey. I'm going to go about figuring out how to start my own business or helping other people start theirs. What was that moment for you in time? I feel like there's a few moments. Talk about um, it. Yeah, my aunt, she is originally from Chicago, mm-hmm. um, grew up with, you know, sisters and brothers, like seven of them. And when she got older, she started a company called Great Greens. So, you know, we know Glory Greens. Yep. But she had a, they were like microwave. Like actual greens. Right, greens. Okay. So she Glory made a greens, food product. <laughs> right, a CPG. So Glory Greens is in a bag, usually, yeah. I think, or in a can. Yep. Hers was microwavable. Okay. And she had them in Dominic's wow. and a few other stores. That's pretty cool. Cubs, yeah, in the early 2000s. Um, and then she unfortunately had a nervous breakdown mm. when I was in like middle school. And so that was one of the first experiences of, hmm, you know, entrepreneurship can be a toll. It can be a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And she ended up having to move with us. But that never really deterred me. Because yeah. even when I got to college, I was still on that path. And then I would see my friends, you know, they're doing stocks and they're doing this. And I'm like, that's not my thing. It's too arbitrary. I don't know too much about it. But I know how to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know how to, you know, bring people together. But I don't have that support. So I would start doing, like, meetings with people who were interested in, building communities, mm. right? And I have you know, rent like a little studio like this uh, in the film department and just go through this deck. And we would just, we weren't doing that, we wouldn't get nowhere, <laughs> but yeah. it was the idea that, oh, people are rallying behind me. I'm galvanizing people. I have an idea and I'm trying to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people around me encourage me as well. Mm-hmm. And then once you're, you know, in that apartment alone and you're like, okay, I got the time. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Then you start encouraging yourself because Who you only have it? yourself at this point, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, well, I, I like that you said that, you know, even though in those moments you didn't necessarily, you know, see a lot of the progress that was being had, I think that it's still important, you know, to come together as a community with shared ideas, you know, maybe not to execute them the same, but at least to collaborate, to think and to have that shared workspace. Because even, you know, for some people that might have been there with you, I'm sure they might have taken that space and went back home, took some of those thoughts and built off of it and maybe in a completely different position that they are in now. So I'm always appreciative, you know, for you saying that and for other people to create those spaces. So thank you for creating that space for others because it's important for us because we don't always, you know, have them to come together as people who are like-minded, you know, especially in such a huge, you know, popular city like Chicago, where it's hard to find that community, especially when you're looking, you know, like you said, for people with similar interests as you, you know, we talk to so many people, we know so many people, but we don't always share similar interests, similar backgrounds. So it's hard to connect. It's Mm -hmm. hard to build that community. So when you find it, 
something you want to hold on to. So I'm glad that you were able to, you know, create that community for folks and have something for them to hold on to as they experience this journey of entrepreneurship and creation and leading them, you know, to their next step. I'm Ugobalta, host of the podcast, Three Questions With. The Cook County Circuit Court is the largest court system in Illinois and the second largest unified court system in the world. Leading it all is clerk Iris Y. Martinez. When we go into the community and we hear and we see it talk about these warrants, we found over 10,000 old warrants that were in the system for the last five years. We're down to about 100. Join us on Wednesdays at 7.30 in the evening via Channel 19, streaming on CanTV.org and the CanTV Plus app. Thinking about next steps and, you know, creating things from ideas, we talk a little bit more, you know, about the, the 100 Black Ride, you know, and kind of where that started originally for you all and the mission of that program project. Yeah, so the ride actually, the vision for the ride happened before we formed Shy Tech Collective. Okay. So my whole vision was it would be, you know, wow, wouldn't it be awesome to have all of these black founders of these tech companies, et cetera, riding down Bronzeville, whatever mm -hmm. street, 43rd, 47th, whatever, and with their teams, multicultural, diverse, and have these kids and families see outside their window black innovation in motion. Yeah. Right. Mm, the emotion um, piece. You know, I think I think what people fail to realize about Chicago is that one, we're always slept on for some reason. I don't know um, why. And it, well, I think it also has to do with our culture, right? Like we're very much an East Coast city in mid, with a Midwest flair. Mm -hmm. And I think that Midwest attitude is very humble and similar to like the South, but not too gentilly, yeah. right? Um, so we don't boast about it. It's kind of internal boast, yeah, not outward. Is. So a lot of people don't know what Chicago has to offer, right? And it allows for people to sleep on us. Mm -hmm. um, I think also when it comes to black history, queer history, whatever, Chicago, you, you, can't, you can't talk about black history without Chicago, right? You can say that again. You, oh, <laughs> you, you can't talk about, you know, black business or black, you know, community and, you know, urban folks thriving without Chicago. Yeah. So my whole idea is if you can at least expose families to folks who are already doing it, whether they be from Chicago or elsewhere, maybe that will engender another, you know, spirit, right? Mm -hmm. It will interest to another zeitgeist of, oh, I can do it because I saw it. Yeah. Right. I touched it. I heard it. I was able to follow these folks. I know what's out there because right now, you know, after I'm from Inglewood, I left Chicago two weeks out of high school. So I was in Dallas for eight years, nine years. So pretty much my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. So coming back to Chicago from 18, 29, 28, I'm like, what the f*** yeah. you know, yeah. like this is not what I left. It's very, it's a very different world. I experienced the same thing moving back from Missouri because I was away from school yeah. and coming back to Chicago. It's like, wow, now seeing this and adult, it's that community. You right, know, it's crazy. You talk about that you didn't notice as a child. Yeah, I mean, I tried to go back to my old house in Inglewood and it wasn't there, mm. right? You know, I kind of had, I don't know what you would call it, but I was looking at the house next to it and I'm like, well, I don't remember the door being there, but maybe that's, maybe, you know, it's like, no, it's just not there. It's gone. Right. So, you know, I think that before we lose 
I guess what it is to be a Chicagoan, mm-hmm. what it is to be black Chicago, and to have that ingenuity and that innovation, I want to give it one last, you know, hoorah, mm-hmm. right? Where we bring out the entire city. Yeah. We bring out folks from, you know, that are in Atlanta that are from Chicago or in Houston that are from Chicago that are doing great things and show them, like, you can come back and do that. You don't have to stay here, right? But you can come back and do that. Rep your city. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's important for people to know, especially for viewers that are outside of Chicago seeing this, that are from the city, you can come back and still be great. You don't got to stay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you ain't got to stay. We know it gets real cold in Chicago. Yeah. We ain't begging nobody to stay. Right. But you can always, you know, come back, pour that love back into the city, showcase those same talents, or even, like you said, that representation, being able to show others that you did it and that you were capable of doing it, shows them that they can also do the same thing or things even greater than that. Mm. So just thinking, you know, about what you had said earlier with understanding, you know, Chicago and not being able to understand, you know, what blackness or black history looks like without Chicago. What does black queerness look like for you being from Chicago and how has that been a part of your community growing up? When you, when I first saw the question, I was like, I really don't know how to answer this, right? It's a hard question to think about. Yeah, especially because I have never been someone who put my sexual identity before my race. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I don't even put my gender right before my race. Um, but as you get older, you're like, hmm, why I, where, where is this loyalty for my race mm-hmm. coming from when even my own people don't respect, yeah. my, you know, my sexuality or things of that nature? Yeah. Um, but I do think that there is something very unique as far as it's just a, that that say quad like mm-hmm. that intelligence that you know the way we put things together whether it's really in the arts mm-hmm. right yeah. um we just see things differently yeah. i think black queerness is a lens that is very it's not myopic right but it's very few have that ability mm-hmm. right because you know we're queer yeah. right we have certain experiences <laughs> right we do. um and really just it's very rich mm-hmm. right i think that you see people all really all walks of life when it comes to being black and queer and it's such a vast you know I, sometimes i'm so like so many well, different what, forms of us you know what i mean I'm like, yeah. what is queer is that, is that what that is today we're okay. making it up day by day <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that's what you know that that's how i would answer that question okay yeah. well so as we learn more about what the black queer experience, you know, continues to look like. Can you explain a little bit more about having to put or being able to put race before sexuality and, you know, what that means or feels like for you in those moments of exchange, you know, talking with people and addressing that? Yeah, I think that a lot of it comes from my upbringing, right? I was telling a friend of mine uh, recently that I feel like my dad was an undercover hotel growing Mm. up. Right. Ain't it sad when you got to figure that out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm. <laughs> I, I look at him sometimes now and I'm like, hmm, would I like you if you weren't my dad? Yeah. Right. As a black heterosexual man. Right. And there are some things that I understand or I could empathize with because I understand the time you're a baby boomer. Right. You grew up differently, you know, as far as just even in your own house, having so many brothers and sisters, having a different dynamic as far as parents. But then when it comes to the greater, you know, I guess, culture 
It's it's annoying a lot. You know, it gets very frustrating, especially with this podcast culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a cesspool of egos, just trauma and ego. <laughs> and, you know, it, it makes me feel like as a black woman, mm-hmm. specifically with some of the black men podcasts, how do I comfort you? Do you deserve comforting? How many times does someone have to express their trauma for you to meet them in the middle and understand, well, maybe it's not, it's neither party's fault. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a systemic issue. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are these hands guiding certain things and these are the cards that we've been dealt. Because even like, I'm kind of going off a little bit. Go for it. I was sharing with somebody, I'm like, this, this narrative of, you know, black women didn't, you know, they kicked their men out the house. And I'm just like, what black woman do you know today has four kids and is going to push a man away? Okay. You know, I mean, unless it's for, you know, for certain things, I understand, but you, you just going to kick them out just to get it. I just don't, I think that there are some stories that need to be told. And I, and I really don't trust that the people that are repeating these things or who are saying these things have gone and sat down with Nanny and Muddy and said, so what really happened? Mm-hmm. What did you really have to do and why did you do it? Yeah. You know, so there's just, so with that piece, it's like, okay, as again, being black, being for the culture, you want to give people like, okay, you, you don't understand. I'm going to just, you, but you, I get it, brother. But I like, get, how many times can we do that? Yeah. Cause yeah. now it's coming down to just common sense and human decency, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if you are so, just drowned in this mindset, right? Sometimes it's like a woe is me. It's kind of like, well, I might have to separate myself. I might have to be this black lesbian or woman loving woman or whatever you want to call it, right? Who you just don't mess with, right? Even the whole like feminism thing, they just keep throwing this feminism word around. I know I don't know everything that it is to be a feminist. So I know you don't, right? You're not reading these manifestos. I'm not reading these manifestos, (laughs) you you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, but at the same time, if you're going to target me in your messaging because I align with that, or you think that's what I align with, then you kind of leave me no choice but to be on the the defensive, right? And so now I have to pick and choose, you know, what struggle and what movement am I going to support? Yeah. Right. Am I going to fall victim into this, you know, vitriol that is just back and forth on TikTok and Instagram that does nothing for anyone? And you shouldn't have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. We shouldn't have to. We should be able to live above this. Yep. So that's that's my thing. It's just always going to be black. Right. But I'm always going to love who I love, too. Mm-hmm. So that was a perfect answer because I'm sure there's so many other people that feel like that, you know, and are still trying to figure out what does this mean for me? And, you know, that's why we wanted to have this space to have conversations about what all those differences look like, what they feel like, how can we support them? How can we lean more into them and really just show people what our community truly is and show them that we're not all the same, you know, show them we're not the same people with the same mindsets, the same goals. We're out doing a whole bunch of different things, showing a lot of different light, shining a lot of different light on various communities. So I'm glad that, you know, we get time today to do that a little bit more and really dive into, you know, the light that you bring to Chicago. And hopefully everybody else is able to continue to see that as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stop there. 
but this is not the end of it. We're going to switch off for a little bit of a game. Okay. So hopefully people got what they needed from that. And then they're going to get what they need from this, too. All All right. right. All right. And now for open space, an opportunity for us to let go, be free, and just live. Stick around for the vibes. So Alex, have a little game for us. Get a little personal. Hopefully it's not too much in your business. But this game is called Let's Get Cozy. This is one of our staple games that really just help us learn more about you all and just hopefully share some of that love with the rest of our community. So to get us started, what's something in your closet that makes you feel the most cozy? I have a favorite pair of polo pajama pants. Mm, real cozy. They long. Yeah. Definitely two sizes too big. <laughs> Just time up. Are they cotton? Yes. Yeah, so they warm. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bedtime. Yes. Or fresh out the dryer. Mm, bedtime. Bedtime. Yeah. I feel that. I feel bedtime. that. What's something in your closet that makes you feel confident? I like this cute... Um, I guess you could say cat suit. So it's like a very, like a plunging V-neck, like okay. for this time in. Yeah. But it's all black. It's like cute. velour. Cute. Real cute. Yeah. Real hot. Yeah. High girl. I do it sometimes. <laughs> every Look, now and then. You got to step out and every yes. once in a while, put on your freakum dress. You're going to do that a little bit more these days. As you should. You exactly. deserve. Right? Yeah. Do it. Do it. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I ain't got nothing but time. Okay. We don't, but <laughs> where do you feel the most comfortable? Mm, that's a good question. <clears throat> I don't know. I think that um, definitely around friends, definitely traveling. Mm. I feel very comfortable traveling. Any that's favorite alone. spot? I wouldn't say favorite spots, but I just went to Seattle in April. Beautiful, Same. beautiful city. Um, I like Atlanta. I would never live there, yeah, but I like Atlanta for a few days. <laughs> um, and I'm been dying to get back to Charlotte. Okay. That's a good one. I've yeah. been there once. Yeah. It's a good place. Where do you feel the most confident? Did I just ask that? Where do you feel the most confident? Yeah. I say comfortable. Confident. Definitely in the like networking. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just a switch that just turns on and I just work the room. That's your space. Yeah. I feel that too. Yeah. I, it's like power. And I told, well, I've been told by other people that my personality is shifts. Like I'm very much open in the room. Yeah. And then when you get around me, I'm very quiet. Mind your business. Exactly. It's like that extrovert, introvert type of thing. Yeah, I'm definitely an introvert. Or I am a introvert who gets my energy from other people. That part. Yeah. Same. I feel <laughs> Who makes you feel the most comfortable or cozy? My mama. Mm. Shout out to the mamas. Yeah. I love that. What can we do without them? Exactly. Where would we be? Where would we be? Definitely not here. And last one, who makes you feel the most confident? I would say me. Mm. Yeah. How so? Because it's like, you can hear people say, oh, you're beautiful or you're smart or whatever, but you still won't believe it until mm. you really feel that way. Yeah. So I feel like when it's you and you just know it, yeah, you make yourself feel the most confident. Yeah. yeah. And you got to remember that. Exactly. Tell yourself that every day. Yeah, and it's, you're not always going to feel that way, but the most confident, definitely you. I'm so glad you said that, because yes. some days when you don't feel like that, you got to remind yourself, exactly. it's in me. Yeah. It's in me. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for being here with me, for sharing this space, for bringing so much of your light to it and sharing that with our community. I really appreciate us being able to, you know, be more transparent and talk through these things because this is something that a lot of people don't, you know, cover yeah. or discuss or highlight or emphasize on. So I'm glad to be able to do that with you and to make this history. Like I said earlier, we're doing this together and I'm very grateful for us to continue to do this in community, to build out more of these spaces for people like us mm. to not just be in, but to also embody, to take full power in, to control of, and live fully in all of our greatness. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, anytime. Thank you. You're always welcome back here at the table. Of course, let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we have for you tonight, Chicago, but we hope that you took some notes from all of the gems that our amazing guest Alex dropped for you. And if it wasn't meant for you, then share the knowledge because it was meant for someone. There's no guidebook for what we're doing, but day by day, we're writing our own stories that will last forever. And that's why we keep showing up. Yeah. We'll be back next week with more black queer folks being represented at the table. But until then, thanks for watching. Peace out.